0: We are blessed here at this church. We are also blessed because we have a lot of people in this church who have been called and felt called and led to go on short-term and long-term missions. And I told you guys December is a missionary type of month because we have a missionary type of God. So this morning we have the privilege and the honor to hear from one of our own, to hear about the mission trip that she took to the Middle East. So if you would join me in welcoming Lonnie Blatts to the stage to share with us.
1: Good morning. How are we doing? Good? I'm so beautiful, choir. Oh my goodness. I'm going to set a timer so I don't go over. Give me one second. All right. Well, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you face to face, my name is Lonnie, like Pastor Nathan said, and um, this past summer I had the opportunity to go and serve in the Middle East, and I had a lot of questions. um, Why the Middle East? why overseas, and I can't even talk about that without talking about Jesus. And so I want to take this time to share a story with you. And this story isn't like any other story. This is actually true. So in the very beginning, God created the earth. He created everything in it, the seas, the wind, the animals, and he created man. The thing about man is it was special because man was now an image bearer of Christ, an image bearer of God. And he Got in his hands and, and got in the dirt and breathed life into this man. And therefore, there was a connection, a personal connection with this man and God. And he told the man, You can't eat of, it, he can eat of anything except for this one tree, the tree of good and evil. And we all know the story. Um, Satan came in the form of a serpent and whispered into Eve's ear and said, Did God really say not to eat of this fruit? And she did, and so did Adam. And that's when sin crept into the world. And because God is so holy and so righteous and so perfect, man can no longer be in the presence of God. But God wanted that community with his creation. And so he made them close, sacrificing an animal. And that was our first blood atonement sacrifice. And throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people continually rebelling against him. And God continually making a way for his people to be made right with him. We talked about in Isaiah the prophecies of God sending someone, Savior, born of a virgin. And then we see Jesus, what we just sang about. And Jesus wasn't just like any other man. He was a superhero, is what I like to call him. Because not only was he perfect, not only did he fulfill every single prophecy that was like, prophesied about him, but he also did so many miraculous things. He took the blindness away from men. He cleaned the unclean. He raised people from the dead. But he didn't stop there. You see, the thing about Jesus was, is he also was put on a cross. Even though he did all these wonderful things, people still hated him. He was ran out of the city for casting out demons and people. Um, It even led him to be putting on that cross. But Jesus didn't shy back from it. Because Jesus was that blood sacrifice once again that covered all of our sins. But he didn't just stop there. Because on the third day he rose again, defeating death, defeating sin, conquering it all. And because of that, we can stand up here and sing and we can talk about Jesus. And man, praise God for it. But guys, it doesn't just stop there. Because he's coming back. And like, oh my goodness. We have so much to just praise Jesus about. But um, if that story is true, then it should change the entire trajectory of our lives, every aspect. We are created to glorify God in our conversations, in our relationship with our jobs. And so that's why I was like, okay, I can no longer just stay here because I continue to read the New Testament and over and over and over again. Um, if you want to put Matthew up, Matthew 28. Um, talks about And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So you can't read that and, like, not get excited because not only did Jesus die for us, but he gave us a command. He gave us a job to do. And, yeah, this can look like sharing the gospel or sharing the name of Jesus with the lady behind you in the grocery store or across the cubicle or in a coffee shop with an international student. It can look like anything. So why overseas? And so if you don't mind pulling up that PowerPoint for me, I hope we all know what this is. This is a map of the world, um, or of the earth at least. And, you know, we have our western hemisphere. And if you'll do the next slide. Okay, so this is magnified of North Africa, the Middle East, and some of Asia. And this is called the 1040 window. And the 1040 window is kind of special because it's a lot different than our, the Western Hemispheres. Because in this little square box, if you click to the next slide, here are some facts about it. Approximately five point eleven billion billion individuals reside in this ten forty window. I know some of y'all can't say that. 68% of these people groups are considered unreached. And so what unreached means is that less, less than 2% of the entire people group is um, evangelical Christians. So that's less than 2%. And, guys, that means that there are so many people who are going to be separated from God for eternity. For eternity. Like, if, if we don't do something. And, of course, God doesn't need us but he allows us to participate in, in growing his kingdom. And so this is why. This is why the Middle East. Okay. Now I'm going to get back. i going to get to the country. So um, I wish that I could stand up here and tell you that I spent two and a half months over there and I saw people come to Christ and I saw people being very receptive to the gospel. Um, but I can't say that because that wasn't true. But what I can say is that we were very obedient and faithful in sharing. And it took a lot for me to realize that that's all that I'm called to do. Um, I None of us, it's never on any of us to save anybody because we can't do it. We can't, I'm sorry I'm breathing almonds. So. <laughs> but um, we can't. God didn't give us that power, but he did give us the knowledge and um, the wisdom to go out and share and proclaim his name so that way we can those people in heaven with us. Um, let's see. So I can't disclose the, country, the name of the country I was in, but um, I was in the heart of the Middle East, and the thing about their culture and their religion is Islam is not just the religion. It's the culture, it's family traditions. It consumes every aspect of their life. Um, so in saying that, they were very abrasive in like sharing. So we would praise Jesus just for being able to get through a whole gospel conversation or a whole gospel presentation, because sometimes I just didn't want to hear it. Um, And that was kind of hard. But um, we realized that, once again, we were just called to be faithful. And that kind of started hitting me really hard about a month and a half in, because I was like, okay, God, why do you have me here? Like, I don't understand. And I was studying through the book of John at the time. I just finished. And I just, I never felt like the Holy Spirit calling me to read something out of my Bible like he had bef- that night. And he's like, go back and read the last couple of chapters of John. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't really want to because I'll spend time with you in the morning, but fine, I'll just do it. And so I get up, and I read John chapter 20. It's about Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And I was like, God, I know this. Like, why are you doing this? And I went tried to go back to sleep, and he wouldn't let me back to sleep. <laughs> and uh, so I got up that night. And I flip back to John chapter 21. I'm just going to read it real fast. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we, are, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know who Jesus was. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net out on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. So they casted it out, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And I know this is a story, but to me that rocked my world because I can just see the disciples being like, This dude, I've done, done this all day. Like, All I want to do is go home, I'll throw it out one more time just to prove them wrong. And they throw out this net, and they can't even haul these fish in. Because they were obedient in casting out their net. They got all these fish. And so that next morning, I went and talked to one of the missionaries there and kind of, like, told her about what the Lord had put on my heart. And she brings out this painting of fish. And she was like, this is so weird because I had this passage on my heart the other day at the souk, and I bought this. And I was like, whoa. And then she was like, okay, yeah, this is great, but, like, the Lord is going to bring a harvest. There is revival going on in Islamic countries, um, not in the one I was in, but there is revival, like, starting to spark. And the Lord is going to bring all this fish, but he needs workers, and she reminded me of that. So that was pretty hard on my heart. Um, But in saying that, the Lord is doing radical things over there. Um, one of the things he's doing is he's giving women a boldness and a courage to stand up and to ask questions, and he's literally lifting the veil. We had two girls while I was over there. Um, nothing having to do with my team, with a different separate missionary. She, uh, Two girls accepted Christ within three months, and that is insane because another group there had been there for ten years and seen one person come to Christ. And yet they said every second of it was worth it. Because all they were called to do was be obedient. But with this girl, um, she went out with her family to the desert one night. And they were doing bashing, like, that's what you do for fun. And um, when they were doing it, religion started coming up in the topic of conversation. And the girl was like, well, what if Jesus is the son of God? Like, what if he really is God? And the father was like, don't say that again, da-da-da-da. And she's like, no, but seriously, like, what if we're wrong? and the uncle walked up to her and threatened her life and told her that he'd leave her in the desert. But the thing about that one step of obedience and her asking, two of her cousins were listening, and they started asking questions. And, like, guys, if that's not faithfulness and the Lord putting people there and using people, I don't know what is. Um, so I say that to say, God is doing radical things. The harvest is coming, but the workers are very few. Um, one thing that's been asked of me, like, is the safety question, and I totally get it. Like, I, I'm not ignorant to that fact. Um, but as I studied the Bible and I continue to, I have realized that the Lord never promises us safety. Um, he never promises us an easy life where we can just get by. Um, these things are. Things that our American culture said that we need, not Jesus. And all we need is him. Um, if you actually like read the stories in the New Testament, we see people suffering for the sake of the gospel. Um, I don't know when we develop this idea that Christian life is supposed to be comfortable. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what would happen if the body of Christ stepped out of our comfort zone and tried to glorify God in every aspect of our life? No matter how much money we make, no matter how much schooling or education we seek to have, we can never make a difference. Just like like let that let's in, you can never make a big enough difference to change the world, but Jesus can. Um, and praise him for that. It's like, he sent a son, he didn't have to do. He gave us his word, a a a guideline for life. And yet we don't take advantage of it. One thing that I wanna kinda finish up with is I was really convicted um, being over there because, like I said, Islam is every aspect of their life. It consumes their, their way of thinking, the way they eat, the actions they take, how many times a, t- a day that they pray. And if we as Christians were as devoted to Christ as they are to Islam, what kind of a world would we live in? Um, so Austin, if you'll go to that very last slide. Thank you. These are prayer requests that um, I have and that field workers have given me. So if you want to write them down or want whatever, take a picture of them. Um, One would be for the missionaries that are already on the field. They need your prayer. They need encouragement. Um, Second would be that 1040 window because we need to see the gospel move over there. We need to see accesses of um, Bibles and of gospel conversations. And third, heart of Muslims. It's coming, y'all. The harvest is coming, but we got to pray for it and we got to ask for it because we have this unique thing where we're children of God and he listens to our prayers. Um, And lastly, for future workers, I know that's kind of crazy. You're probably thinking, like, no, it's not me. Like, I can't do that. And um, I'm in the same boat right now. Don't let me act like I'm any different. But the fact is, is that we're called to share the gospel, and some of us are called overseas. But if we never ask the Lord what, what he wants of us, And if we're always like this with our plans, then we'll never get to experience the goodness that God has for us and the fulfillment in life. So I ask that you pray that prayer for yourself, and that's a bold prayer. Um, It's not easy going over there, and it's not easy living there. It's not easy living in America either. We're always going to have hardships, and um, I just ask that you pray those bold prayers. So thank you for your time. If you have any questions and want to talk, I could talk about it for days. So y'all have a good day.
0: Peyton, leave that slide up there for me. I, I, I was going to go back to Isaiah 9 and, and do like a little nice wrap-up and some closing remarks. But um, the things that Lonnie said and, and some things that I was able to sit in Damon's Sunday school class Uh, This morning, and he was talking about Daniel and Daniel being countercultural and continuing to pray three times a day. It was the Daniel in the lion's den story that we're all very familiar with. But Daniel chose to be countercultural by praying and opening his window, facing Jerusalem and and praying three times a day. He knew that it might mean that he would be punished, but he didn't care. He, He wasn't overly active. He wasn't underly active. He continued in his same routine. And now Lonnie has injected into all of our hearts and into our minds the 1040 window. That's a latitude and longitude, that window of latitude and longitude. So I I wonder how we might be countercultural, what countercultural might look like for us the way that it was for Daniel. That's the question that Damon posed. What would it look like for us to be countercultural given our context? And I want you to know countercultural looks like not taking the typical American college student summer but going to the Middle East instead of thinking to yourself like totally where could I go like I just I don't even know like do I want to go to the beach or you know like I could go to the mountains and go skiing that would just be fabulous I could just have a great time. where do I want to go on my free time on my vacation like what do I want to do for fun instead of talking to yourself like that and thinking along those terms, Maybe countercultural looks like, where's God sending me over my break? Maybe countercultural looks like, now that I'm able to retire, where is God sending me for the first year or two years of my retirement? How can I use all of this free time now that I am retired, not to only spend time with my grandkids, but to further the gospel Maybe graduating from high school, your question is not, where would God have me to go to college? Where would God have me to spend the rest of my life in my career here in the States? But maybe your question is, does God want me to spend every Christmas break and summer break on mission somewhere? Does God want me to take a break from college for the first year and go on mission for a full year? And parents, I know that might not be a popular message for you to hear, especially if you have students who might be about to graduate, but that's countercultural in our society. People that look like Jesus freaks that are sold out for Jesus who really get it and don't just show up to church from now and again. That's countercultural. And that's actually what we've been called to. That's what Lonnie was telling us. That's what they're singing about. A Jesus who came from the comfort and glories of heaven and was willing to be dependent on a human being for his sustenance. The very one who formed us from the dust was willing to be cared for as a baby. That's radical. That's countercultural. That's a missionary God. And he's called us to be a missionary people, maybe at your work, maybe to your neighbor, maybe to your family and friends. Maybe to the 1040 window. So Peyton's going to leave this up here. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to encourage you to look at these four things on these screens. Stand where you are and pray, bow at your pew and pray, come to the steps and humble yourself before God. There's nothing special about these steps, but there is something special about hitting your knees and coming before your church family to say, I'm praying for the field workers out in the 1040 window. I'm praying for the lost people in the 1040 window. I'm praying that God would give visions and dreams to the Muslims, that they would seek out the missionaries looking to find Jesus, I'm praying that God would raise up future workers or maybe God would raise me up if that's the call on my life. So I want us to have a time of response, and I'm going to ask very pointedly that you respond by praying these four things this morning, however the Lord may lead. Let me lead us in prayer after I close that time out. Will you please stand? Jason will lead us in a song, and will you respond to the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. God, we do pray for field workers. We pray for those who are out on mission. We pray for the Harpers. We pray for Johnny Moss. We pray for um, Ryan and McKenzie, Lord. We pray for their family. We pray for Eric Bledsoe. We pray for all of those, Lord, that we are supporting on mission. We pray for Warren and Kimberly Chan, Lord. We pray for these who are out on mission for you. We pray for Reed Skinner, Lord, for numerous missionaries who are out there giving their lives for you, God, on the forefront of the battlefield. Father, that's what it looks like, God, for us to truly follow your message, to hear your heart for the nations, and to go. So, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for strength. We pray for sustenance. We pray that you would help them to persevere. We pray that you would help them to endure. We pray that souls would be saved. Lord, as they get discouraged, as they feel lonely, we pray that you give them victories, God. Lord, just like Lonnie said about those young women asking questions, victories, Lord, where they can see that they have been effective by Your Spirit and by Your power. Father, we pray for the 1040 window. We pray, Lord, that You would move in that window, Lord, that there would be a flip of the statistics, God, that instead of less than 2% of people hearing about Your Word, less than 61%, Lord, not even hearing the Gospel in the span of their life, we pray that those numbers would be turned on their heads. Lord, we pray for the hearts of Muslims that You would save those who do not know You as Savior and Lord, who do not understand that there is one way, that there is one truth, that there is one life, and it is Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, our Savior and Messiah, that it is You and You alone that salvation is found under no name in heaven, on earth, or under the earth except by Jesus. Lord, we also pray for our hearts, God, that You would raise up workers, That you would raise up workers from among our church. That we would be submissive. That we would surrender all to you just like we're about to sing, Father. That we would be open to your call. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Would you stand? Would you sing? Would you respond?